This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. Augustus M. Toplady lived from 1740 to 1778. He is the author of a popular song often used in worship, Rock of Ages. According to the story behind the writing of that song, uh, Mr. Toplady was out and he was in the midst of a storm and he sought shelter. And while he was there sheltered from the storm, the idea came to him about our needing a shelter for our souls and our lives. And thus, out of that experience, he wrote that song, Rock of Ages. Today we want to talk about that topic, the Rock of Ages. Stay tuned. Now today on Getting to Know Your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course, and I emphasize to you that this course is absolutely free. We want you to have it and that you might know more about the course, what's involved in the course, and how you can take the course. Let's just pause for a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I want to read a text to you from the book of Deuteronomy. It is in the uh, 32nd chapter, and it is the 31st verse. Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 31. For their rock is not as our rock. Even our enemies themselves being judges. Of course, this is a part of Moses' farewell address to, to the people of God. And he had been their leader now for 40 years. And before Moses, there stood a younger generation. And he knew that this younger generation needed his advice and his wisdom. And he knew that they were going to be influenced by the false gods around them and the philosophies around them. And in the midst of this, he makes this statement to them, for their rock is not as our rock, even our enemies themselves being judges. Now, if you'll notice in the 37th verse, he shall say, where are their gods? their rock in whom they trusted. You see, in Deuteronomy 32, verse 31, the first time he uses the word rock, it is lowercase. The second time he uses it, it is uppercase. And the first time he uses the word rock, it refers to the false gods 
of the people around them. The second time he uses the word rock, it refers to our Lord. And they're being warned about the rocks of the people around them. And so he says, where are the gods, the rocks in whom they trusted? And what Moses is saying, their rock, the rock of all of these people around us, their God is not as our God. Their rock is not as our rock. Let's think about some of the rocks to whom people turn today. Some people have turned to the rock of atheism and they declare there is no God. I've often thought that if a person would make a declaration like that, that there is no God, that they would almost have to have all of the attributes of deity to make a statement like that. Because if there's a place they've never been, that may be where God is. If there's something they don't know, that may be that God exists. That's why the psalmist said in Psalms 14:1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. A man would have to be morally and spiritually senseless to make the statement, there is no God. Their rock is not as our rock. You see, every house is built by some man. He that built all things is God, Hebrews 3, 4. Everything that exists in our world has evidence of design with it even to the smallest things that, that exist in our world. And design presupposes a designer. God exists. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. In Romans chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, Paul said, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things which are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they're without excuse. There's absolutely no excuse for an individual to deny the existence of God. Verse 21 says, For when they knew him as God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. And so there was a time that they knew God, but they turned away from Him. So God exists. And there are those that say there is no God. I love Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 12, which says, Who hath measured the water in the hollow of His hand, and meted out heaven with a span, and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales, and the hills in a balance. The answer to that question is rather obvious. The answer is God. And so there are those that turn to atheism. Their rock is not as our rock. There are those, on the other hand, that turn to the rock of materialism. And there's a deep economic discontent across the regions of the world. And people have become so materialistically minded. I think about what Jesus said in Luke 12 and verse 15. Take heed and beware of covetousness. 
For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. There are two tragedies in life. One is to get your heart's desire, and the other is not to get it. There are people that are trying to have their heart's desire fulfilled with all of the material things of this life. Materialism has become the God of so many people. Their rock is not as our rock. Some have turned to the rock of pleasure. It just seems as though people are always looking for some new pleasure, sinful pleasures. Hebrews chapter 11 talks about Moses, that Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin. There's pleasure in sin, or else I don't believe there'd be as many sinners in the world as there are. There's pleasure in sin, and people are always looking for some new pleasure. She that liveth in pleasure, Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 5, is dead while she liveth. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and 5 says that there are those that are lovers of pleasure. They're lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And if there has ever been an age in which men and women are lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, it's in the age in which you and I live. Their rock is not as our rock. And there are those that have turned to the rock of education. Now, I believe in education. As a matter of fact, I'm on the board of a Christian university. I'm the chairman of the board of that Christian university. I believe in education. But we need not just education of the mind. We need education of the soul. Jesus grew in wisdom, and he grew in stature, and he grew in favor with God and with man. Children are not educated until they have the education of their soul, until they're taught about God. And in our country, we've turned away from that kind of an education. And we have made a, a God out of secularizing education today and taking God completely out of the picture. All I can say is, their rock is not is our rock. Because I'm talking to you today about the rock of ages. The rock of ages. Let me read some passages to you that talk about this rock. I'd encourage you to jot these references down. First of all, in 2 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 2. 2 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer. Think about that. God is our rock. He is our fortress. God is our deliverer. Then secondly, in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and in verse number 2, neither is there any rock like our God. That is, there's no comparison to our rock. There's no comparison to our God. And that's true, isn't it? And then next, in Psalms chapter 18, and in verse number 2, the Lord is my rock. Can you say that today? The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my God. And then next, 
in Psalms chapter 61 and in verse 2. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. There's a song that has that expression in it. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And then in Psalms chapter 62 and verse 2, He only is my rock. He only is my rock. You remember the Ten Commandments? The people were told, Thou shalt have no other God before me. And so God is our rock. And the rocks that many people turn to today is not the rock of ages. And then next I'm reading to you from 1 Corinthians the 10th chapter, verses 3 and 4. All did eat that same spiritual meat, did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. This has reference to the time the children of Israel were leaving Egypt and they were crossing the Red Sea. Their rock was our rock because their rock was Christ, he said. And Jesus Christ is indeed the rock of ages. The rock, their rock is not as our rock because our rock is a rock that gives life. Notice in Deuteronomy 32 verse 18. Of the rock that beget thee, thou art unmindful, and hast forgotten that God formed thee. God is the one, our rock is the one who gives us life. In Acts chapter 17, that Paul said that it is in him that we live, that we move, and we have our being. This is a rock that saves us. Look at verse 15, Deuteronomy 32. Jeshurun waxed fat and kicked. Thou art waxen fat, thou art grown thick, thou art covered with fatness. Then he forsook God, which made him, and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. You see, our rock is a rock that saved us. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 11, this is the stone which is set at naught of you builders. It has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. That has reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. And our rock is a rock of perfect work. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse number 4. He is the rock. His work is perfect. Everything that God does is perfect. It's without flaw. He is a God of perfection. And then it's a rock that is without comparison. Deuteronomy 32, 31, the text we read in the beginning, for their rock is not as our rock. Even our enemies themselves being judges, even the enemies around them could tell that the rock, the God of the Israelites, was a greater God than the false gods that they serve. What a rock we have. The rock of ages, rock of ages, cleft of me, let me hide myself in thee. Have you ever thought about the blessings that we have in that rock of ages? Let me mention just a few things in, in the time that we have allotted that, that we have in the rock of ages. Now the rock 
is, is a symbol of strength. The rock is a symbol of protection. And let's think about some blessings that you and I have because we have the rock of ages. First of all, there's protection from the storm of temptation. Some of you watching now may fight that battle every day. Of course, all of us are tempted. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there's no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape. All of us are tempted. But let me tell you, our rock can protect us and help us in time of temptation. You know, Jesus said, pray like this, lead us not into temptation. But deliver us, deliver us from evil. You see, we have protection from the storm of temptation. We have a God who helps us. Then this rock is called the rock of salvation. I go back to Acts chapter 4, verse 11 and 12 again. This is the stone which the builders is set at naught of the builders, which is become head of the corner, and neither is there salvation any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby you must be saved. Now the salvation that we can have is in the rock. It's with Jesus Christ the rock. He is the author of eternal salvation unto all of them that obey Him, Ephesians 5, uh, Hebrews 5, verse 8 and verse 9. So what must one do in order that we might be, have that salvation with Jesus Christ, with our rock of ages. First of all, we must hear the gospel. How can people know what to do unless they first hear the gospel? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. Not only must we hear the gospel, we must believe it. We must believe the teaching of the gospel. For example, in John chapter 1 and verse 12, there the Bible says that he came to his own, his own received him not, but as many as received him. To them he gave the right to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Those who believe on the name of Christ have the right to become his son. Now you can't become what you already are. So I know their believing on his name did not make them a son, but it gave them the right or the power or the privilege of becoming a son. And so we must believe what we hear in the Bible. We must believe on his name. And second, thirdly, if we want to be saved, want that salvation, then we must repent of our sins. Now the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, 2 Peter 3, 9. There's not a single person on the face of this earth that God wants to perish. He doesn't want any man, any woman going to eternal hell. He wants all men everywhere to turn from their sins. Sometimes we're just a little bit too stubborn to turn from our sins. Sometimes we're too in love with our sins. Sometimes we're just too hard-hearted in our sins. But it's God's desire that all people be saved. 1 Timothy 2, 4 says, God would have all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. 
But in order that we might obtain that salvation that's in Jesus Christ, we must be willing to turn away from sin in our lives. Absolutely, Jesus put it like this, and he put it in the imperative in Luke chapter 13, verse 3, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. In other words, unless you repent of your sins, you're going to lose your soul. It's just that important to repent of our sins. And if there's anything that needs to sweep across our globe, it's men turning away from the sin in their lives, turning away from the sins that separate them from God. Repent of your sins. You know, that's a difficult thing because it, it demands a change in your attitude. It, it demands a change of your lifestyle. It, it might even demand a change in your associates. It, it might uh, demand a change in your habits and the way you talk, the way you dress. Repent, Jesus said, or you're going to perish eternally. And if we want to obtain that salvation, we must be willing to confess we believe Jesus is the Son of God. With the, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation, Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. We must be willing to acknowledge Him as being the divine Son of God. Peter did that. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 16, Jesus had asked, Who do men say that I am? And, and they had speculations about Jesus' identity. But this is what Peter said. Peter said, You're the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. And that was the correct answer, wasn't it? And in Acts chapter 8, there's a man hearing about Jesus and he'd been reading the prophet Isaiah the way we have our Bibles divided. It would have been the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. And, and, and as a preacher comes to him, the preacher's name is Philip. And, and, he, and the man that's in the chariot, the man from Ethiopia, asked Philip, he said, Now, here's water. Why can't I be baptized? Philip said, You can if you believe. And this man said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I just recently, I had, while I was preaching, a young man walks down the aisle. He said, I, I want to be baptized. And the only thing I had a right to ask that young man was this question. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? That, that's the only thing from the standpoint of what the Bible teaches that I have a right to ask anyone. I'm not going, I would not have the right to ask someone, do you believe that God for Christ's sake pardon your sins? Because I don't read that in the Bible. That's not in the Scripture, folks. That's something that's man-made. So, so the only thing I would ask is, do you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And we must be willing to confess our faith in Jesus. In Matthew 10, 32 and 33, Jesus said, Whosoever shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. Whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I deny before my Father which is in heaven. And then to, to obtain that salvation as a penitent, confessing believer in Jesus, we're to be baptized. Don't you want that salvation? 1 Peter 3.21 says, The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Salvation is in Jesus Christ, the rock of ages. Think about what Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 10. I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may obtain the salvation, the salvation which is in Christ Jesus. 
So salvation is in Christ, the rock of ages. Where are you today? Are you in Christ? Have you been baptized into Christ? Galatians 3.27, which, in which you put on Christ in baptism. And then you must live a faithful, dedicated Christian life. Revelation 2.10 says, Be thou faithful unto death, and I'll give you a crown of life. You see, that salvation is in Jesus Christ, the rock of ages. I don't know of anything that I could say today that would be any more important than have Jesus Christ as your refuge. Isaiah chapter 32 and 2 says, And a man shall be as a hiding place from the wind and a covert from the tempest as a, as a shadow of a great rock in a weary land. Jesus Christ is our hiding place. Jesus Christ is our covering. Jesus Christ is our place to go in time of storm in our life. And the storms of sin are raging around us. And the place to flee is to Jesus Christ, the rock of ages. Would you not come to Him today? And then when you do, another blessing to be found in the rock of ages is that you're prepared for eternity. Prepared for eternity. Jesus in Matthew 7 said, Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that who, who does the will of my Father which is in heaven, many will say unto me that day. And that day is a day of judgment. Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? In your name cast out devils. In your name done many wonderful works. But I shall profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. And then Jesus said, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, hear him of the like to a wise man that built his house upon the rock. The rains ascended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that on his house, and it fell not, for it's founded on a rock. But whoever hears these sayings of mine and doeth them not is likened to a foolish man. They built his house on the sand. Upon what are you building your life? Build on Christ, the solid rock. Build on Christ, the rock of ages. I want to thank you for watching today. And in the closing moments, may I give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. If you're not certain where it's located, contact us. We'll help you find it. And I want to thank you for watching today. Please call in right now for the free Bible correspondence course. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.org. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at knowyourbible at golftel.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214.
Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.